Well, I think the biggest impact we're looking for when it comes to food distribution is kind of how and who we distribute the food to. We have people that come and get it on a regular basis, but we're just giving food out. Okay. And the return, we don't know how much better, how much is helping, any of those things. So we want to actually go a little deeper this next year, just kind of see if we can start working with families and take them through some programming, you know, ways to help them be better uh, managing their money, yeah. financial literacy. Uh, we're looking to do a program called Work Life to help reinforce their idea of what work means, how to really keep a job. Those are the deeper dives that allow us to kind of like get to know our community and that's where change happens. The people of Hopstones Church want to gift the inner city. Oh really? City. Yep. I really appreciate the gift so here good. and it really will help. Uh, everything counts. Yeah. It allows us to do more to work and allows us to go even a little deeper as we hit the community. Uh, we have everything from residential care, short and long term, therapeutic care, uh, we do a strip club outreach, we have detention center Bible study. So um, those are all the programs that we have to sustain. We are a very small organization. We have six employees and I think I mentioned that we served over 500 people in 2023. We can't do that with six employees. Prayer. Uh, volunteering and uh, financial support are the three things that we like to say help us to maintain. At that community, um, you know, we have an incredible facility. And it was when we kind of was given to us that you know it was kind of run down and needed and needed some repairs. And so we want to be able to put a roof on it that you know it's it's obviously solid and, and secure, and but it keeps everything safe and dry. And but what is lacking is an area for uh, the kids to really engage and play. And so what they have right now is just a just a building really, a kind of an enclosed area. So what we'd love to do is be able to have kind of a combo of basketball, soccer goals. We would like to um, sponsor both of those um, projects. Incredible. Yes, and we would love to do it while we're there in June. We're so excited to come through. It's incredible. I, uh, I mean, we're blown away and absolutely. We can definitely um, facilitate that as part of the team going and help be a part of that is going to be incredible. Thanks to the legacy offering, we are officially able to begin constructing Haven, a safe and comfortable environment that allows children with autism, high ADHD, Down syndrome, and any other special needs access to worship, ministry, and fellowship with one another. With the offering from Legacy for Haven, we can begin looking for a captain to oversee our Haven ministry with the exact certification and expertise to train, lead, and run our special needs ministry. This offering will also help us purchase equipment to make the environment safe, clean, and accessible for children with those needs. We are so excited to begin our new children's ministry branch with Five Stones Kids Haven coming in 2024. Hey, we're here with Pastor Derek Dale, who is a great friend of ours. He and his wife, Nikki, are going to be launching Bright House Church in Athens, Georgia this fall, and we're excited for you. And uh, Derek, tell us a little bit about about Bright House. Yeah, we're so excited because Athens needs uh, another life-giving church. There's about 133,000 people there and 80,000 of them do not know Jesus. And so we're so excited to go in, make a difference and radiate the light of Jesus. Come on, that's gonna be so good. Well, Derek, on behalf of the generosity of Five Stones Church, we wanna give you this check because we believe in you, we, um, we trust you, and we believe this is good ground that we're planning $5,000 into Bright House Church. This means so much to us. I just cannot thank y'all enough. We love Five Stones. Bright House is a big fan, and I promise you this money is gonna go to make a difference for the kingdom of God. I thank you for your generosity. I love you guys so much.
amazing. I just want to tell you how much fun it has been over the last couple of weeks being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus on behalf of your generosity. And I want to thank you so much for giving in the legacy offering. We wanted to show you that video right at the top of this brand new year and just celebrate with you. Um, and that video really doesn't even do it complete justice on everything we were able to see God do. Just one more um, little quick testimony of, of what your generosity did. That was one of my personal favorites that we didn't film intentionally and on purpose is um, we were able right at the Christmas time uh, to bless two pastors who had just planted churches in Tennessee and um, knowing how challenging that can be and how difficult that can be, we, we gave both of those pastors and their family uh, $1,000 each to spend on Christmas. And it wasn't to, to pay bills or do something else for the church. Somebody had done that to us right when we launched, and that was a, it had a big impact on our lives personally, and we couldn't wait to do that. And so it was your generosity that did that, your giving that made that possible to just bless those people. And they wanted me to actually a a thank you in person. So on behalf of those pastors, thank you so much. And thank you for all of your generosity in the legacy offering. It's just so amazing to be able to, to do that, to watch God move through your generosity. I want to look right in the camera and welcome all of you joining us on the other side of computer screens and tablets and phones. We're so glad that you're part of our online community. One more time, Five Stones, will you put your hands together? Welcome your church family this morning. So glad that you're along for the ride. Well, today's an exciting day because we're going to kick off a brand new series we're calling All In, but it's also exciting because today is the day we kick off our annual 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And if you're new to Five Stones Church, I want to tell you just a few thoughts about that. Prayer, uh, 21 Days of Prayer, is something that we have been doing as a church before the church even launched, before we were, we were actually an actual church. We were just a launch team, and we were meeting together at two times of the year. The first of the year, we met for 21 days of prayer and fasting, and actually back in those days, there was just 10 of us that were meeting together in my living room, and, and we were praying together, and of those 10, four of us were under the age of 10. <laughs> so they're, they're, actually, little Wesley Boggs was about one years old, and, and so I'm not sure how much praying was actually happening right there, but he was there, so by golly, we counted him. There was 10 of us in that room, and we we were praying and going after the Lord. And then later, just a few months later in, in uh, August, right before we launched, we, we gathered together to pray again because we were asking God to bless us as a church. We, we wanted God to, to, to just bless what this church would be, and we wanted to be what God wanted for Five Stones Church. And so we gathered together to pray, and just in a few months, we went from 10 individuals to almost 70 on our launch team, and that was all God. It was just an incredible move of God because we, we decided what we wanted to do was pray because we knew to accomplish what we believed God had called us to do, there was no way that we could do it within our own power, within our own gifts or, or skill sets. There was nothing that, that a pastor could do that was going to be good enough, and so we, we wanted to see God really do something different. We didn't want to just be another church plant. We want to see God meet people. We want to see people set free and transformed and fully alive through the power of Jesus Christ, and we knew that was going to require a move of God. And so we just determined early on as a church, we were going to be the type of church that Jesus talked about in Matthew 21 when he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, is that prayer should be such a component of, of a believing body of, of Christians that, that the unbelievers that would walk by would look at that and say, well, I don't know what they're all about, but I can tell you this, they're a house that prays. And that's what we decided we were going to be. We were going to be a church 
um, that would pray. And so, so I want to encourage you as we jump into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to meet together and pray. And we, we will do that every single day, Monday through Saturday. We'll have a prayer service uh, at the Five Stones Church office. And that just meets on East Brainerd Road uh, right next to Walmart. Or you can Google the, the address and then it'll, it'll take you right there. But we're going to meet together and we're going to have a prayer service for, for one hour. And it's one hour sharp because we recognize that you might have to have kids to get home and get ready for school the next day or you got work the next day. But we're going to spend one hour. And I want to encourage you to, to come to these. Because this is really, if you've never been to one of our, our prayer services, it's just a- absolutely amazing. It's really a powerful, dynamic time together. There's a portion that is, you're, you're praying by yourself. There's a, a portion where we worship together, and there's a portion where we pray corporately. And these are really awesome. They're really dynamic things. And, and we recognize that not everybody, this is, it might be a season of life where that might be too challenging for you to come to. And so we, we understand that, that this might not be feasible for you to come every night from 6 to 7 and pray with us. But I want to encourage you to, to, and challenge you right here at the first of the new year to, to, to be part of it in some way. If you can't be there physically, to take one hour of your day every day and just press in and pray to God. We're going to pray and we're going to fast. We're going to put something down that our flesh desperately wants and we're going to say no to that. That could be food, that could be TikTok, that could be TV. I don't know what it is for you, but we're going to take something and we're going to say that this is the thing that I desperately want to do, my flesh wants to do, and I'm going to say no to it. And in place of that, I'm going to spend time with God. And, uh, and, and I want to challenge you to do that. It's, it, it, it's really a powerful time to re-kind of orient your year forward. And maybe you're thinking, man, that, that seems kind of an arbitrary number. Why, why 21 days? We actually get that from the book of Daniel. So in the book of Daniel, Daniel fasted and prayed. He needed God to move in his life, and he spent three weeks doing it. And so he prayed and asked God to move in his life. And at the end of 21 days, he watched God open up the heavens and, and he was able to combat his enemy in a powerful way. So we just think that something powerful happens in 21 days. And, and maybe you're thinking, wow, that, that seems intense. I've never done anything like that before. I've never really gone all out and, and, and fasted anything for three weeks. I've never spent an hour praying every single day for 21 days. That, that's something I've never done before. And if that's the case, I want to just tell you what, what if you made this the year? What if this was the year that you did step out? In fact, that's kind of the emphasis behind this series that we're calling All In. What if this was the year that you really went all in with God? And, and, and there's, a, there's a famous quote. I don't know who, who said it first, but I think there's a lot of wisdom to it. And it says this, if you want something that you've never had, you have to be willing to do something you've never done. What, what if this was the year that you stepped out and you went all in with God? Because I believe this with my whole heart. God wants to do something powerful this year. He wants to do something, not just with this church, but you individually. Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your career, maybe in your finances, maybe in your family. Maybe, maybe it's an experience with God that you've never experienced before. I believe God desperately wants to do something in your life this year that you've never experienced. And the reason why I believe that so wholeheartedly is because he's a living God. He's a moving God. He's a, he's a God that, that wants to take you someplace on an adventure. You've got one great life, and he wants to take you somewhere that you've never been before. And in order to receive that, in order to walk into that, it may just mean that you have to position yourself in a way that you've never positioned yourself to hear from God before. And that's why we're taking these days of 21 days of prayer and fasting to do that. Prayer and fasting is such a powerful thing that disconnects us 
That's, that's what fasting does. It disconnects us from the world, and prayer connects us to God. And, and I think it's such a perfect time of year to, to kind of reorient yourself. You know, we talked about this last week, that, that a lot of people are kind of uh, just naturally at this time of year oriented to, to see change in their life. This is the time of year where people say, you know what, this is the year. I'm going to go back to the gym. This is the year I'm going to stop eating all those stinking cookies. This is the year I'm going to do something different, you know. And, and, and at this time of year, I feel like there's no better time than to do this right here and just take a moment and, and really reorient orient yourself, not just with the world, and not just like get some good goals on a list, which I think is important, but to try and get what God has for you in this year. And I think for years I've thought this. I, I think, man, if people really understood how powerful prayer really is, they would do much more of it. Like if people really understood that it's, it's such an incredibly powerful gift that God has given us, this ability to connect with the creator of the universe, that prayer is so powerful. And, and for years and years in ministry, I would think people just don't get it. Like i got to motivate them better. i got to inspire them. I, I need to show them it because if they really understood it, man, everybody would pray. But you know what I found out over the years? This is the thing that I've determined over the years. It's not that people don't want to pray or they don't understand that prayer is powerful. It's just they don't really know how to do it. They don't know what to pray. Like, I can't be the only person that, that has felt like this before. Have you ever felt like this? Like, you go, okay, I'm going to spend an hour in prayer. Maybe you need God. Maybe you're desperately in need of something. And say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buckle down and I'm going to pray. And so you pray and you pray and you pray everything you possibly could think to pray. And you look at your watch and three minutes has passed, right? You know what I mean? Like, and you're like, okay, now what am I going to do with the rest of the 57? You know, how am I going to pray? See, I, I think people really want to pray, but the truth is they just don't know how. And that's what I want to help you with. During these 21 days, we want to specifically help teach you different models and, and, and ways to pray. In fact, we've got a bunch of free resources for you. I want to give you as many free resources as you possibly can. In the lobby today, we've got some resources. You can go on our, our, our website, fivestonesfamily.com slash resources, and you can download anything you want. And in that are, are some prayer guides, some ways that will help you learn how to pray. Because I really do think... That if God's church would gather together and pray, something powerful would happen, not just in the church's life, but in your life. See, if you've ever gotten to this place where you feel as though you need to hear from God, but you're not hearing from Him, it's a connection issue. We say that a lot, because I, I really think that a lot of times we're just disconnected. We're too connected to the world, and we're simultaneously disconnected from God. The problem is a lot of times we approach prayer from the wrong perspective. See, we live in, in, in a culture that's very transactional, right? Like in the West, this is what we do. If I do this and you, then you do that, then we'll, we'll be good. But if you don't do that, then I don't have to do this. And so like, it's a transaction, right? So, so a lot of times we approach God in this way. We say, God, I did my praying, and now you have to respond in this way. And so if God doesn't respond the way we think he should respond, we get mad and we say, well, prayer doesn't work. And that's not the way God created prayer to be. Or other times we'll approach prayer from this perspective that it's just a list of something on a list for me to do. Like I've got to do the dishes. I, I need to go to work. I better change the oil. And if I'm a good Christian, I better say my prayers. But that's not what prayer is. Prayer is a powerful and dynamic weapon that God has given his body to use. And God wants you to know this. Prayer is not just a moment in time. It's actually a conversation. See, a lot of times if we approach prayer from that perspective that it's just a moment, we feel like, well, how can I get this all done? That's why prayer isn't, doesn't have to happen in the morning, though it can. Prayer is not your quiet time, though you can pray inside of your quiet time. 
Prayer is certainly not something that you check off of a list of things to do. It's just not that. God wants you to have an active conversation with him. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we have today. When you leave today, pick up one of these armbands. And on these little black armbands, it says Five Stones Church. But on the other side, it says pray first. And the reason why we have these is that our hope is that this will be a good reminder for you. That when you look down at your arm, you you remember that prayer should be something that we do first. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. But the, the fact is, many times we treat prayer as though our, that, that's what it is. It's our, our last resort rather than something that we should be doing ongoing. In fact, prayer uh, in the Bible, Paul says that we should pray without ceasing. Well, I, I remember reading that for the first time and thinking, how in the world do you do that? How are you going to pray without stopping? Because I was looking at prayer as though it was something that I had to do on a list, something that I had to check off of a box. And, and so if that's the case, how could I do this constantly? How would I be able to, to keep praying and praying and praying? I'd never get anything done. I'd never accomplish anything. And if you think of prayer in that way, you'll never get done. But prayer is not supposed to be that way. Prayer is a conversation with God. In fact, I, I think prayer should be an ongoing thing. And what, what Paul meant by pray without ceasing is that you're having one little one-sentence prayers that are happening all throughout the day. You're about to walk into a meeting and you say, God, I need your wisdom before I walk into this meeting. I, I need to know what to say and what to do. Or you're about to go into a difficult conversation with somebody and you say, God, I, would, you, would you give me the right words to say? I, I don't know how to approach this. Or, or, or you're in a position where I need, I need the favor of God. God, would you help me with this? Like, like maybe you're about to, to text that person. You pull out your phone and, and you're about to, you're really upset with them and angry. You're going to give them peace of your mind. But you look down at your arm and you see that pray first. And you think, nah, I better not text them. You know, better not say that. But like, see, the, the thing is, the concept is, is that prayer would, would be our first response, not our last resort. What would happen in our lives if that's exactly what we did, if we prayed first? Like, like before we did anything else, we prayed first. Before we went to work, we prayed first. Before I went to bed, I prayed first. Before I, I, I take that test that I didn't study for, come on, somebody, I, I pray first. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it became something that was our first response, not our last resort. What would happen, what would your life look like if we did just that, if we prayed first? Because I think most people don't do that. I think, in fact, most people handle their prayer life like this. They act first, and then they pray afterwards, God, bail me out of this thing that I didn't ask you about, but now I'm in the middle of, and I need your help. That's what I think most people's prayer life is like. It's the emergency button. God, I need you to get me out of this thing. And I'm just saying, right here at the top of this first Sunday of the first of the new year, what if we did this? What if we approached things of God first? See, I think first things are really important to God. God takes note of the first things, all kinds of things that that are first all throughout Scripture. Just think about today. We're meeting together on the first Sunday of the new year, of the first Sunday of the week, of the first month of the year. I think that's a powerful statement that we're saying to God. God, we're saying we put value on who you are and that we're going to gather together and we're going to meet together and we're going to meet with you first. Before we set foot on anything else in the year, we're going to gather together as a group of believers and we're going to pray and we're going to seek God first. I think God hears that statement. All throughout scripture, it's an important thing to God. Like maybe, how many of you started off your year maybe on a new Bible reading plan? Like like this was a year you're going to start another one? No, not many? (laughs) Well, this is what I would recommend you do. Find this time of year and reorient yourself in the Word of God. Every year what I will try and do is I'll restart my Bible reading plan. 
And I'll read through the whole Bible in a year. And there's plenty of, of resources that you can find available to that, like the Version Bible app will set you on one. Last year I did something I've never done before. Instead of reading the whole Bible in a year, I just took the New Testament and I read to it through it three times. Um, but, but this year, I went back to, to reading the Bible in a year. And when you read the Bible throughout in a year, a lot of times what it'll do is it'll put you back in Genesis. And that's where I am right now. I, I jumped into Genesis. And, and it's interesting to me because I started this plan to read the Bible. And, and, and you know what it says in your Bible on the first page? I'm talking about the first page of your Bible. The first four words of your Bible are this, in the beginning, God. And I thought, when I read that, I was just drawn to it because I thought, man, what if, what if that became our motto? In the beginning, God. Before I did anything else, God. In the beginning of my marriage, God. Before I go to school, God. Before I wake up and go to work, God. Before I do anything, it's going to be God. What is if this year God was just a little bit more involved in everything in your life? Because that's exactly what God wants to be. God wants to be not just a part of your life. He actually wants to be in the center of your life. He is very interested in every part of your life. He wants to know about your spending. He wants to know about your shopping. He wants to know about your hobbies. He wants to know about your friendships. He wants to be in the middle of your conversations. God doesn't want to just be a part of something. He wants to be all up in the middle of it. And see, God says it doesn't doesn't matter what it is that you're doing. He wants to be... Part, not just part of it, but in the centermost part of it. And see, what's incredible about God to me is that he doesn't require you to only have God. He says, you can have other things. That's fine. I just want to be right in the center of it. And so the next time that we see God talk about this idea of first, it's literally all throughout Scripture. I, I had to stop because there's so many places I could take you to and we could discuss this idea of first things. But the very next place that you see it in Scripture is right after that book in, inside of Genesis, just a couple pages later, Adam and Eve have a, a couple of sons, Cain and Abel. And it says this, it says, now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. So, so Abel was a shepherd and Cain was a farmer. Now I want you to notice what it says about these two boys and their relationship with God. It says, in the course of time. Now notice this, that phrase because it says that Cain, in other words, had made a habit. Cain had gotten into a habit of not putting God first in his life. It's just something that he got around to. Once he got around to it, then he would put God in his life. But it says in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portion from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Now, now, Cain was a farmer, so he brought the produce that he had, had grown, the fruits and the vegetables to God. And Abel brought the fat portions, which means it was one of the animals. And it, it wasn't just one of the animals, it was the firstborn of his animals. So he didn't just wait until he had a whole bunch of them and then pick one of them to bring. Or he didn't just like take the one that, that he didn't really want that was all kind of messed up and he was like, that one wasn't any good anyway. No, he, he decided he was going to bring the firstborn to God. And he took the one that he had and he gave it to God. And the Lord, the Lord, it says, looked at favor on Abel and his offering. But God does not look at favor on Cain and his. Why is that? The, the reason why is because God does require, for, in order for you to get the very best of everything that he has, for you to embrace this principle. Now let me tell you this. You, you, can, you can not believe what I'm about to tell you and you can still go to heaven. 
Okay, you can still have a good relationship with God. I'm just saying that if you want the very best of, of what God has, you, have to, you cannot avoid this principle of firsts because God pays very close attention to the first things in your life. He won't play second fiddle to anyone. I think one of the most challenging things in, in ministry for me is for over the years is watching people barely get by in certain areas of their life knowing that God has so much more for them. And that's what I desperately want. Knowing that God has the very best for you, that, that's what I want for, for you to receive. And, and knowing that if you will do these three, just three simple things today, I believe it will help you understand this concept of first things in, in your life with God. And here's the, the first thing that I need you to write down. Number one, God wants your first. God wants your first in your life. He will not be second to anything. He requires being at the top of the list. He, he's not interested in being in your top ten. He doesn't really care about being in the top three. God wants to be the very first and inside of your life. If you were here for Christmas, we brought out the nativity set and you remember, I, I, I've kind of moved some of the pieces around, and I had, we, we had Jesus who was still in the picture, but at one point, we, we took the, the, the shepherds and we put them right in the center, and that represents your work. Many times we'll make work the centermost thing that we focus on. And then we put Jesus still in the picture, but we put the wise men in the middle, and that represents your money. Some people are focused so much on their, on their money, and that has to be the center of their life. And then we took that out, and we said, what, what if, we, if we put Mary and Joseph in the center, and that was the family. Family. And somebody, some, so many people say, um, we got to put the family first, and that sounds really good. But I'm just here to tell you that if God isn't in the center, he can't bless the rest of your family. And we even put the, the animals in the center, and we said that sometimes that represents the hobbies like golf or, or, or the things that you love to do, all these different hobbies that we have. Maybe it's a lake house, and, and we put those in the center. And, and, and I'm just here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with any of those things. It's just they can't be in the first position. God says, I won't allow it. I will not tolerate anything in the first position except for me. And here's the reason why. Because he did that for you. Watch what he says this. In, in, in the very first commandment of the Ten Commandments, he says this. And God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God. Now notice, he's not telling you to do anything, anything that you need to do. He's talking about what he did for you first. He says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So in other words, God says, I put you first. I made sure that I did whatever it would take to get you out of slavery. I would pay the necessary cost that it would cost me to get you out of slavery. And by the way, you were just like the Israelites. You and I were in the middle of our slavery to sin and the bondage of death and our choices. And, and God was willing to pay the payment that was, that was due for that. And his name was Jesus. And he said, I didn't give you my second best. I didn't make it to where, well, maybe we can get by. I gave you my first. I paid the price that was necessary. And what he's doing is he's saying, I, I put you first. I did what was required to put you first, and so I expect you to put me first. Here's what he says. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, notice he didn't say don't have other gods or can't have other gods. He says, you shall have no other gods. In other words, I don't mind you having other loves. And this is not talking about religions or, or faiths or de denominations. He's talking about the things that you love, the things that you enjoy doing. He says, you can have all of those things. There's nothing wrong with that. I just have to be first. I've got to be the first in everything. In everything you do, in everything you have, in everything you are, I, I have to be first. Now, can I just tell you something? This is not something that's preached enough about. 
It, it, it's just not. There are a lot of preachers that will get to this part, and they'll be real selective. They'll talk about this, and they refer to it regarding finances only. Like, like they're just going to talk about money, and this is just that one part. And, and can I just tell you something? That, that That's a part of it. Finances is a part. Putting God first in your finances is certainly a part. But I'm just here to tell you that God doesn't want to be just your Sunday God. Like, he wants to be your everyday God. He wants to show up at your work. He wants to be involved in your family. He wants to be part, not just part of it, he wants to be the center of everything. And I'm just telling you, preachers will use this passage of Scripture, and, and they'll bring out the money part, and that, that's true. That's a part. Tithing is a part of it. But when he's talking about this tithing principle, it's not just a money principle. Look, at it. this is what God says, a tithe of everything. Of what? Everything. He said, I, I want a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil, fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And so God says, yes, I want you to tithe. I absolutely want you to tithe. But I actually want a tithe of what? Everything. I want a tithe of everything you've got. So God says, I want you to consider me in the first of everything, in the first of your year, in the first of your month, in the first of your day, in the first of your thoughts. Before you, you get out of bed, I want the first word to come out of your mouth, be Jesus. See, this is what God says, I want the first of everything. And not all day, not every word, just the first. He just wants the first of everything. He said, that's holy to the Lord. And God says, i got to be first. I won't be second in anything. He goes, and, and here's the, the awesome part of it. He says, if you'll put me first, it will open up the opportunity for God to bless the rest. Now, now don't get this warped. Because a lot of times we like to theologically warp things. And we want to paint God in some kind of theological corner that he can't get out of. We say, well, look, God, I gave you the first. Now you have to. You're entitled to do this. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. I'm just saying that when you give him the first of anything... It removes that thing from your hand and gives God the opportunity to bless the rest. And that's exactly what God wants to do. I'm, I'm here to tell you this church is a living testimony of that concept. That we would, we would do this idea in, in Proverbs that says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. From the very beginning of this church, we, we just made a decision that we are going to give the first of anything, every dollar that's given here at the church, we, get, we take the first 10% and we give it away. We give it to missions, we give it to Israel, we give it to church planting, but we just made a determination that, that we're going to trust God with the first, the 10% of anything he gives us. And as a result of that, we have always been a church that's financially blessed. I've talked to other pastors and other church planters and they've been in situations, and I always tell them, listen, are you giving that first 10 away? Are you just blessing others with it? Because I believe if you would, you'll be blessed by it. And there, that has been the true statement of this church. Every step of the way, financially, we've been blessed. There's been moments where God made a way where there was no way. And we just looked at it and go, well, that must be God. We just trusted God. Here's how Jesus said it. Jesus said it best. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. In other words, if you'll just put me first in everything, if you'll just put me in the beginning before anything else, I will get, I'll take care of all the rest, and I want this so badly for you. I, I want this for you because, because on this Sunday, I want to challenge you with this concept. And, and this is the one area where I, I'm telling you, you don't have to do this. You absolutely don't have to do this. You can love God. You can go to heaven and not do this. But if you would just do this, 
I think it would radically change your life. This is a teaching that I would normally not, not teach to the church. I, I would teach it to my family. I, I would teach it to, to my lead team. But I, I'm teaching it to you today because on the first Sunday of the month, I believe you can handle it. Okay? And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, can I just tell it like it is? Can, is that okay? Can I just preach it to you like I believe it in my heart and teach it to you today? Because I believe if you'll get ready for this, and it's a strong message, but if you'll do this in your life, it will change you. Here's the second thing you need to write down. God wants your best. God wants your first and God wants your best. Proverbs says it this way, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Oh, I just think, what if you just did this? What, 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 if, what if this year you actually did what that verse said? And you, you put God first. You say, I, I know God wants me to get baptized. I know he's been moving in my life and he changed my life. I'm going to sign up and I'm going to get baptized. I'm, I'm going to do it. They keep talking about next steps. Boy, I, I'm going to go on the other side of that divider they've been talking about. I'm going to let them give me some lunch and I'm going to go and I'm going to join the team. They, they keep talking about uh, uh, how I, if, if I make a decision that, that, that God has moved in my life, that I ought to do something, then, then I'm going to do, I'm going to make a choice to put God first. That we're just, as a family, we're not going to miss a service in 2024. This is going to be the year that we're going to, if I have to go somewhere like a trip and work sends me somewhere, I'm going to join online. I'm going to make sure that we don't miss a Sunday. They keep talking about small groups that are going to be starting soon. This is the year I'm going to join a small group. Or maybe I've been in a small group before. This is the year I'm going to step out and I'm going to lead a small group. I'm going to become a giver. I'm just going to trust God. I trust God with my life and with my family and my kids. I'm going to trust God with my finances. I'm going to step out and make a decision to, to take these 21 days of prayer and I'm going to pray every day. If I can be there, I'm going to show up. And if I can't, I'm going to take an hour and I'm going to pray. Does it mean it's going to be a sacrifice? Yes. Will it be easy? No, not always. But will it be worth it? I'm going to tell you, it's going to change your life if you'll do this. If you'll go all in with God, if you'll just take a one-year challenge and just say, this year, I'm just going to live differently. I'm going to go all in with God. I'm telling you, it'll radically change your life. Can, can, can I pastor you for a minute? Can I just be a pastor to you? Because, because I, I feel like this in my, deep in my heart. Some of you have been dipping your toe in the water of Christianity for far too long. You've been getting your foot wet, and it feels good to come on a Sunday. And I get the warm and tinglys. That feels pretty good. I'm just here to tell you God wants you to go to a new place this year. God wants you to jump all in. He wants to get you totally wet, top to bottom. He wants you to jump in the waters of God and see what it's like to truly live a life devoted to the Lord. And if you would go all in, God says, I got something powerful for you this year. But you got to go all in you got to make the decision that, that I'm going to put God first in everything this year. That, I, that starting this day, this first day of the new year, I, I, I'm going all in. And I, I'm not talking just about church attendance because God doesn't want to just be your Sunday God. Did you know that? He wants everything. Like God wants you. He actually wants this whole day. The, the Bible says, God says, uh, take this day, the Sabbath, and make it holy. Keep it holy unto God. He didn't say, I want an hour. Like where you come to church and you give them an hour. God says, I want the whole day. Did you know that? Like on your Sabbath day, what you, what you should do is, and for most Christians, that, that's Sunday, right? Like that's today. Is, is you come in, you, you go to church. Like, like for me, my Sabbath day is not on Sunday. It's actually on Monday. Today, Sunday's a work day for me. But on Monday, I Sabbath, guys. I mean, I'm talking, I Sabbath. For me, like, like my Sabbath is on Monday. Like I, and I, I, listen, I do like you do. I go to church. I put on worship music and I worship. And I pick a preacher 
And, and I listen to him, and I, I will take out the, my mess, my notes, and I'll write down notes. And if he's preaching a good one, I'll give him an amen. And if it's a rough one, I give him an oh me. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I go all in. And I'm, I'm right there in my living room, man. I'm, I'm praising God, and I'm taking notes, and I'm engaging. And, and I, man, I, I, what we do that day is we rest. Afterwards, we take a nap. Come on, somebody. Jesus took naps. We take naps, Right? And we just, like, like I focus on my next week, and I, and I plan, but I rest. I go out to eat with, with Deborah. We have lunch together. And it's just a day where we just, we relax, and we plan, and we focus. And I'm just saying, what if you did that? What if today you didn't just give him just one hour? Like, you went all in. You, can I just make a recommendation? You don't miss a Sunday. You just make a determination in your heart. Like, I am going to, and this sounds self-serving. Like, of course, the preacher is going to say that. He wants me here every single week. No, I'm talking about, like, this will change your life. I'm talking about when the worship team says to clap, you clap your hands. You don't give Jesus a golf clap. I'm talking clap your hands, all you people. He says lift up your hands. You lift them up to the Lord. I'm saying go all in. You engage with the message. You pull in and, and you just see what happens when you just pull in. I'm saying that you just get to God and he's looking for more from you. I mean, some of you need to get your feet saved. You know what I'm talking about? The worship music is going. You just get that foot. Some of you need to get your whole body saved. And I'm talking about God's got something for you if you'll just pull in, completely in, engage. And we, we get, like when we get home, you should go nap. Come on, somebody. Just, we call it a Sunday coma. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I just don't talk to me for an hour. Like, I'm out. Like, you should, you should do that and rest and relax and eat and reflect and give God your best on Sunday. The whole day, you know your life would change if you did this. You know it would radically change if you would just do that, if you would go all in with God. Do you know that Jesus did that? Like he, he had a habit of doing this every single Sabbath. This is what it says. It says in Luke chapter 4, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So in other words, they were, they were used to seeing Jesus do this. He did this every single Sabbath. And I want to encourage you to do the exact same thing. Just set the whole day aside. Just make a, a decision. I'm never going to miss. And I, I, I'm going to go all in with God this year. Do you know they did a study? Harvard did a study. And it's pretty interesting to me because Harvard are, are not a, you know, it's not like a, a Christian study. But they were looking to try and figure out a way to cut the divorce rate down. You know, right now the divorce rate is one out of every two. So it's like 50-50. And so they were trying to figure out, is there a way that we could break the divorce rate down to where we could make that lower? And they found out that there is something that they could do. They could actually do something that would, that would change it from one out of every two to one out of, listen to this, 1,246. So, so in other words, they found out that there's something. This is evidence, hard evidence from a group of people that are not Christians. They were not looking for a Christian answer. And here's what they found out. If you would do these three things, that it would change your odds from 50-50 to one out of 1,246. Here it is. If you'll do these three things, attend church, discuss the Bible, and pray. Like if you do, do those three things, your odds dramatically change that you'll get a divorce by 50-50 to one out of 1,246. When I read that, I thought, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but but, like, but that, that actually works. And if you would do this, it would change your marriage. Give it your all. Go all in. Here's the last one that I want to give you. It's the third thing. God wants your first. He wants your best. And here's the last one. God wants your everything. That's what he wants. He wants you to give him your first. He wants you to give him your best. But ultimately, he wants you to give him 
your all, your everything. And, and, and here's the reason why, because he designed you to receive his love. Out of all the creation, out of all the things that he made, the rocks, the birds, the trees, the animals, all of the stuff, there's only one of his entire creation that is positioned to receive the full expression of his love. And it's you. All the other things cannot really truly experience what God has, his full love. And, and the truth is, every one of us are running after something. Because he designed you to worship, you're worshiping something. You're running after something. The sad thing is, so many of the things that we run after are not going to be the things that fill us up. And God just says, listen, this is the reason I want it all from you. Because, because if you'll give me it all, I'll give you every bit of me. And you'll can, you can really feel what it's like to be truly loved by God. There was a... A, a cartoon that I, I saw once and I thought the illustrator did such a good job with this cartoon and uh, maybe you've seen it before it's a little little girl and she's got a little like kind of a ratty teddy bear and, and she's holding it and on the other side is Jesus right and you know it's Jesus because he's wearing the robe and the sash he's got the beard you know <laughs> and like and, but, but the, the way the art, artist drew it is he's reaching out to get the, the teddy bear and, and I love the illustrator did such a good job because the little girl was posturing in a way you could tell that she doesn't want to give it up. She's holding on to it. But behind Jesus' back is one of those massive, huge teddy bears. You know, and, and so Jesus is reaching out for it, and the little girl doesn't want to want to release that little bitty bear. But what's behind Jesus' back is so much better. Can I just tell you something? God doesn't want anything from you because he's lacking in some area. He is the self-existent one. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is a passage that says, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and if he wanted something to eat, he wouldn't ask you for it. It's almost as if God says, listen, if I was hungry, I don't have to show up at your house, okay? I don't need you to give me anything. I have so much for you. And I don't know what it is that, that, that it is for you. Everybody's different. But, but so many of the things that we hold on to we get so nervous about, like we, we can't let go of. Maybe it's maybe it is money, or maybe it's it, it's it's a, a a child. I I've been wanting this child for so long, God. I can't hold on to any money. Maybe it's a job. It's a work situation, and you've been holding on to these things, and you're not willing to hand it over to God because you're thinking if I do that, then I won't have it. And what if God doesn't show up? And I'm just here to tell you that God says what I've got for you is so much better than what you've been holding on to. And if you would release it to me. It would free up your hands so that I can bless the rest. That's what God wants for you. He doesn't want to take anything from you. He just has so much to give. I want to close today with a story that I heard that, that to me sums up our whole life. Your life, my life. And it's just our life in, in five simple chapters. And I, and I believe it's so perfect because it, 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 it's everybody's life. And it says this, chapter one, went out for a walk today, fell into a hole, and it took me a long time to get out. Chapter two, went out for a walk today, fell into the same deep, dark hole, and it took me a long, long time to get out. I can't tell you how many times I've read that story in people's lives. Chapter three, went out for a walk today, saw the hole, Got right up to it. Too close, I fell in. And it took me a long, long time to get out. 
chapter 4. Went out for a walk today, saw the hole. This time, I walked around it. Chapter 5. Went out for a walk today on a totally different street. That's what God wants for you. He wants this year to be something so good. Better than you can imagine the plans are for God, for your life from God. God has a plan for your life that you wouldn't believe. If you saw it on paper, you'd say, that's for somebody else. That's for some billionaire. That's for somebody who's incredibly blessed. That can't be my life. God says, look in the mirror. That's what I got for you. It's so incredible. I want you, you, you to bless you in ways that you don't even understand. I want to bless you and your family. But it may require you to do something you've never done before. In order to be blessed in this way, you might have to just step out and try something you've never done. Oh, I'm begging you, church. Take these 21 days. Give God an hour every single day. Take this, this moment of time. Put God first this year and watch Him do something that you'll never believe. You would not believe it. You'll tell other people, well, I did that. I tried this with God. I put God first this year in everything. And it was radically different for me. 